Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's a very special episode of the Fighting Cup Podcast because today I'm joined by none other than Paul Robinson, former Spurs goalkeeper, legend of the Park Lane. How you doing, Paul? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh no, it's our pleasure. Absolutely our pleasure. And can you believe it uh, that Spurs are in the final of the Champions League? Is that something you'd ever think you'd hear? Not in my lifetime. Uh, well, I'd like to. Yeah. Um, but the way that the the Champions League campaign started, if you like, this year. Um, you certainly wouldn't have said that we'd have made the final. Um, getting through the group as we did, you know, it was a huge relief to get through the group. But then yeah. to actually look at us now and to be in the final and to the adversity that we've overcome to get to the final, um, it's as though, the, as though there are names on the cup, if you like. Yeah, it does feel like that a little bit. It's, it's been a mad ride, hasn't it? Because, you know, like you said, in the group stages, one point from three games, had no right to get out of that really, had to go to Barcelona and get a result out there. Um rely on in at Milan, drawing at home to PSV. We get through, and then obviously we're drawn against Dortmund, who were absolutely flying at the time, top of the Bundesliga. 
And actually, our defeat of them broke them. They actually lost lost the league to Bayern Munich, having been like nine points clear when we were playing them. Um, did did you what what did you how did you sort of deal with or, or, or figure out the result against Man City? How that game went because it was crazy. You know, we they, they were the much better side at the Etihad, but obviously that that goal in the last minute got overturned, the VAR goal, and we were through. That was a lot to take on. I think it's it's been different from the league. I think they've been able to separate the Champions League and the league, if you like. And I think going into the Manchester City game, they took the performances against Dortmund, as you've said, as you know, as a as a benchmark, if you like. This is how we play in Europe. This is how we win in Europe. And I think that the, the huge thing for me against Manchester City was winning the home leg um, in the new stadium. Um, Aguero missing the penalty like he did early on, and then all of a sudden we, we, we believed, if you like, we believed that you, that we could do it. Um, and to get the home win was was huge. But even me with my Spurs hat on and my Spurs, you know, my, my Spurs heart, you think going away to the Etihad playing Manchester City, the way that they're playing, the team that they've got, one nil's probably not enough. Mm. You know, if you're completely honest, you're yeah. thinking, do you know what? If we get anything from this, we'll, we'll do really well. You know, um, playing against the, the City team, the quality that they've got, but to be able to go there and perform the way that we did and get a result <clears throat> was unbelievable. And as has the whole Champions League campaign been all season. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to go back to the first game against Man City. Um, as, as obviously a goalkeeper who's played in front of the defenders, um, what, what did you make of that penalty decision? Because the way Rose shaped up to, to block the ball, I get that his arms are out, but the ball was shot at him very quickly. There's not much he could do. What, what, what did you take? From, from a completely neutral point of view, it was never a penalty. You look at the players' reactions on the pitch. There's a lot of the time you can see and you can gauge whether it was a penalty by players' reactions. Referees, to a certain extent, haven't played the game. And as players, you look at the, the players on the pitch and you see the players' reactions, and there was no reaction, there was no appeal for a penalty. There's a new law now coming in next year for handball where it says, I think the law says by the word, it's something like the, the hand has to be outside of the player's natural silhouette, which I think that was possibly in the referee's mind when, when he looked at it. But I think to give a penalty in the way that he did... Um, it was a very, very harsh decision. And for me, it was an incorrect decision. And for Spurs to react and come back the way that we did in that game, you know, it was credit to them, credit to the, the manager and the team. Mm. Um, the game against Ajax, uh, you know, the first 10, actually the first 20 minutes, Ajax looked incredible. The way they put the ball about, I was, I was like watching, it was probably the, the best opening 20 minutes I've seen against the Tottenham side that I, I can remember. I wasn't surprised. I've, I've watched Ajax a few times this year. Um, I've seen them in the group stages uh, I've seen them in the knockout stages and they're, they're, they're putting Dutch football back on the map they're bringing the youth team players back in the young players coming back in um, De Ligt at 19 centre-back captain in the team uh, youngest Ajax captain in the Champions League um, the, the players that they've got there the, young, the youth blended with the experience they've been a fantastic fantastic team De Jong as well in there yeah. um, there is the attacking prowess that they've got and when well, I was asked before the Spurs game, you know, <clears throat> have, have they got an easy draw? Is it a great draw for Tottenham in the, in the semi-final? And I'm like, no, it's a really, really tough draw. They're playing against a very, very good, strong team. And anybody who watched Ajax over this season will will tell you the same. And unfortunately for Ajax now, 
you know, pe- people are going to come and pick their players. Mm. That team will get picked apart because they are such good players. You know, Dion going off to to Barcelona, and I suspect there'll be you know there'll be passages new for a lot of their players. But it was a very very tough draw for Spurs, and to come through the game like they did, and to come back in the way that they did, I don't think anybody could have seen that. No, I know. De Ligt is actually today it came through that he's joining Barcelona as well. And no surprise. A, no, uh, and uh, Van der Beek looks like he'll be going on as well. And I've got a lot of time for Ajax. You know, the, the, I love the way they play football, and I, I really didn't see a way back into it. as soon as they scored. I, I, I thought. We're not, we can't compete with this. This is a new way. It was almost like a new way of playing football. The energy, the speed at which they were moving, none of them stopped. The movement was incredible. And we brought Sissoko on, uh, changed our shape somewhat. The most improved player yeah. of, of the last 18 months. Can you? It was, it was, it, I actually reminded me of the Leeds team that I played in years yeah. ago when we got to the semi-final of the Champions League. They were kind of a youthful, exuberant team. They played with quality but without fear. They were playing, you know, they're not Juventus out. They took care of Bayern Munich in um, in the group stages. They put four past Real Madrid away. So you, you're looking at them and you have to take them seriously. And then you look back and you think, look, they're, they're kids to an extent, but they're kids playing quality football at yeah. a top level. And they're not scared of or in, inferior of who they're playing against. They were looking forward to taking on the challenges, taking each game as it comes, the oldest cliche in football. But they literally, they, they, they were fearless and it was so nice to see a refreshing change. And you can see that to an extent in the Dutch national team as well. What Ronald Koeman's done with the national team, he's blended youth and experience together. You know, the likes of Van Dijk in there and he's brought these young players, De Ligt, next to him. So the same as he's done with Joe Gomez at Liverpool. The Dutch national team has hugely benefited from these young youngsters coming through at Ajax. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just mentioned about Leeds. So, forgive my memory's not great and obviously it's a different football club to Tottenham but was you you as a part of the lead set up during that run yeah during the Champions League semi-final run what, yeah. what was the club like then because that, like that, that I remember you know I was quite young then uh, uh, but, so was I <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you were old enough to play professional football I was barely, barely old enough to um, I'll leave that there but the uh, it's, the uh, I remember it being like a fantastic thing like you got to the semi-finals of the Champions League and it felt like um, a similar sort of story that, that, that Tottenham had and Ajax had as it was, well. It was a huge achievement for us at the time. It was a team that was put together of young, quality, talented players um, who went on a run that was probably not expected of them, pretty much similar to the to the Ajax team. Mm. Um, not to dwell on the Leeds thing, um, the, the time at Leeds, but it was it was a time that was, as I say, unexpected. And I think the huge the, the problem that we had was we didn't qualify for the Champions League again the next season through the league. Yeah. People say, oh, it's because Leeds didn't win the Champions League, all the, all the problems started. But I think the bread and butter was we didn't qualify through the league for the Champions League. But to be on that bandwagon and to be part of that yeah. at that time, it was, you know, it was one of the very, very special moments of my career. So, um, was it the, was it, I mean, the story now looking back, I won't focus too heavily on Leeds, but I do find it fascinating. Is that Reesdale, was it that he, he just loved the club and he speculated? He, and that was... he followed his dream. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of criticism about Peter Ridsdale and there's a lot of been bad press and things said about him and his, his ways of business but he, he followed his dream and he was within an inch of achieving his dream if you like and everybody like I said just repeating myself um, people say oh, it's because Leeds didn't win the Champions League that year mm. it's not because Leeds didn't win the Champions League it's because we didn't qualify for the Champions League again mm. because the club was financed the club was bankrolled with the players we had um, you know the playing staff, the management, everything else was all geared up for the Champions League, 
and not because we didn't win it, it was because we didn't qualify again to, to play in the Champions League the following season, which the revenue that the Champions League brings in, as everybody knows nowadays, is phenomenal. And that's why it was so <clears throat> sort of impressive and important that Spurs managed to do it this year, because this run, if we didn't beat Liverpool, would have really not meant a great deal if we hadn't qualified for the Champions League this year. I think what uh, Mauricio has done with the team and his remit from Daniel this year, moving into the new stadium, not having a penny to spend and doing what he's done, I think I genuinely think his remit was finishing the Champions League. We need to go into that new stadium, the Champions League football, to achieve what he's done again. I think this is his fifth season now. Okay, he's not won anything, mm. but you look at the way that that club has progressed—not just the team, but the club as a whole. Um, the trust that the chairman's got in him, the relationship that the manager and chairman have got with one another. There's not many managers that would have sat there and gone, okay, I don't need to spend anything, that's fine, I'll go again. Yeah. The relationship that they've got and the way that the club's been able to progress is you know, it's, it's an outstanding achievement. For Daniel as well, for, for a chairman to be able to do that, there's a, um, <clears throat> there's a stigma about Daniel, the way he does business and the way that he, he, he runs the ship, but you couldn't want for anyone better in charge of your football club um, for what he's done and for what he's brought to that club. What, what was your dealings with, like with Daniel Levy? How did, how did you take him as a person? Because from a fan's perspective, he's like elusive. He, he doesn't. He wants to get on with his job. He runs the football club the way he does. And I think for one, he's done an incredible job. Very much so. But um, what, how, how, how did you find dealing with him when you played him at Tottenham? Daniel is is very personal when you speak to him. He's a very fan, family orientated man. Um, wouldn't want to do business with him over the phone or over email. <laughs> um, wouldn't want to do deals with him. But he's 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 got the club at heart, as you can see by what he's done, mm. and you know he's he's very very good for Tottenham Hotspur, and it's the right fit. And the fact that he he doesn't crave the limelight, he doesn't like the limelight, he doesn't like the press and publicity, but he speaks when he's when he's, when he's needed to speak, and he and he sets the record straight when when needed to. And I think he's 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 been brilliant for the club. I agree <clears throat> massively. To see the change when he took over and where we are now, it's uh, it's an amazing thing. Harry Kane looks like he's going to be fit for the final it seems that way um, and if he does play it looks like Lucas Moura will have to drop out what, what, what would you do if you was the manager of Tottenham right now Harry Kane was fit for the final this, we're not privy to information of how fit Harry Kane is and we all know how important that he is to, to the team um, but what Lucas Moura did in the semi-final you run the risk of for want of a better phrase losing him if you leave him out you know, to do what he did to put us into the final and then to lose your place in the team He'd have to be a very, very understanding player to kind of take that on the chin and, and go again. It's all probably dependent on how fit Harry Kane actually is. Um, he's missed two months' worth of football now. If he's fit enough to join the squad and if he's fit enough to be in the squad, it's brilliant for Tottenham. If he doesn't start, it's not a disaster. You look at the way that, say, that Moore has played, you look at Son, the way that they've played in the last few games without Harry Kane, you, know, you can't question that. And to have Harry on the bench with Lorente... There's, there's a way of changing the game. Lorente gives you a different option. You can go longer. If you're chasing the game, if say, say, say for instance, we go one or two down to Liverpool or we need a goal in the last 10 or 15 minutes, who are you going to bring on? Harry Kane. It's not a bad option to mm. have. So if he's fit, there's every chance he'll play. If he's not 100% fit because he's not played football for two months, if he's on the bench and he's there to turn to, it's really not a bad option to have should you need him. Um, with Spurs are in your way dressing room. We were supposed to be in the home dressing room at the Bernabeu, and obviously the home dressing room is always a bit more comfortable. The away dressing room is less so, apparently. This is what we've heard. And anyway, they've swapped it around because where the supporters come into the stadium. What do you, does that impact a player? Do you think when you know 
if you're walking into a, a lovely dressing room and it's heated and, and, and it's comfortable and then the away dressing room is less so, do you think the players would get impacted by that sort of We're so, talking so about trivial? a brand new stadium. We're not talking about, listen, I, I spent the last 18 months of my career at Burnley and yeah. that was a small dressing room. The showers were freezing cold and you made it as uncomfortable as you can for the away team. But now you, you, you're looking at multi-billion pound stadiums like Spurs stadiums. There will be very, very little difference in the home and away team dressing rooms. Uh, I suspect the home team will be kitted out in Madrid colours. It will all be Madrid orientated. The away team will just be darker colours and something different. Mm. There will have there'll be no advantage to having the home or away team dressing room whatsoever. Gone are the days in football, like I say, where you make it uncomfortable for the away team coming, and the stadium wouldn't have been chosen if there was any kind of discrepancy between dressing rooms, if you like. Mm. What did, you, what did you think of that about um, you know the ticketing situation in, in in for the Champions League final? Obviously, seventeen thousand each for both sets of fans. Um, There's tons of Spurs fans getting out of there who haven't got tickets, travelling, you know, all, all manner of routes to get there. Um, is it? Do you think there's an issue around ticketing and, and, and certainly in like cup finals where there's so many go to sort of corporate sponsorship? And we know how important that is to football as well. So I can understand why it happens. But there, there has to be some sort of yeah. But we're, we're living in an age now where gone are the days where you know fans can turn around and say we pay your wages because the, the sponsorship from TV, um, you know, companies, different sponsors, etc., etc., far outweighs anything like that. And and for to hear that both sets of supporters have only got minimum ticket allocations, if you like, it's disappointing because you wonder where the rest of the tickets are actually going and who's going. There's supporters of, of Tottenham Hotspur in their lifetime. This is probably a one-off for yeah. them that will never get there again. Liverpool, maybe so as well. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, but it's it's an interesting way, well, interesting for want of a better word, to see how tickets are actually decided and who delegates the tickets. I was reading an article this morning saying, for, you know, varying off, off theme here, but Arsenal and Chelsea fans are sending tickets back. They've been allocated lesser amounts, okay, but they're in Azerbaijan, they're in Baku, mm. and it's not as attractive as going to Madrid. But they've got a certain amount of tickets and they're sending tickets back mm. due to the fact that the venue was decided pre-tournament, wherever it is, and, and they've decided not to go. Um, You've been to Baku, haven't you? I've played in Baku, yeah, before the stadium was... You know, before it is what it is now, yeah. What was it like there? It's, yeah, it's different. That's where I tripped the fan up. Do you remember if, yeah. if you Google... If, <laughs> one of the fans ran onto the pitch and he, yeah, yeah, he made I a remember. beeline for me. So I decided <laughs> to trip him up and grab him till the stewards came. But in the new laws of the game now, I would be in breach of the laws on the pitch and I'd be sent off. Really? That's the new law, apparently, yeah. So players are governed by the laws of the pitch. Fans are governed by the laws of the land. Right. So if a player does that to a supporter, the referee's in his right to send you off. So I was, I was walking a thin line at the time, Bloody unbeknown are. to me. What, but what, what was it like to play, like, play out there? And, and like... it, was, it was a so-called lesser nation, if you like, at the time. Azerbaijan, this, the stadium was, it, it wasn't anything like what it is now. I mean, the stadium's phenomenal now. Mm. It, was, it was like a, a League One, League Two stadium. The, the supporters were far away from the pitch. And the England supporters were there in the thousands as usual. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the dressing room at Tottenham when you were there. Like, what what, what was it like? Because we had a, a really good side. It was starting to, to turn. We went from being a very mediocre club to things things were happening for us. You know, Martin Yole came in and and made, had a massive change to what we were doing and how we went about it. But what what what? How, how would you describe the changing room at Tottenham? There, it was a good changing room, really good changing room. There was. It was young players, but experienced players. Um, there was like some me, Ledley, uh, Robbie Keane, Timu came in. 
uh, Nuruddin Neighbour, he came in at the experience, but he, he was just such a great guy, a yeah. good guy to have around the place. And then, of course, Edgar came in, Edgar Davids. Um, we had a really, really good change in him. And Martin Yoll at the time, he was the right man. You know, he, he was just a good fit. We had, you know, Jacques Santini came in, and he, the, his lack of English, I think, hampered him. I think his football knowledge was excellent, but he just couldn't get across the point that he wanted to get across. Whether he had enough time to be able to do that or not was, you know, that's that's another question. But when Martin came in, the players respected Martin. We 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 loved working with him as a coach under Jacques because he was working with him. And then when he was given the job, it was a perfect fit for the players, and, yeah. and we thoroughly enjoyed working under him. So the the Santini thing from 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 the stories I remember back then, he was he. It felt like he he ran away from the club, like he. Was he just fired, or was that a mutual agreement? Or do you know? I, I can't remember the official statement, if you like, or what was what was had. But it was it was seemed to be a very very short reign. Thirteen I games. I, think. I don't know whether it was him or whether it was the club or whether it was a mutual thing. I mm. think it was kind of a mutual thing. I think the big problem was the language barrier. Yeah. There was a real problem with the language barrier. You could see his knowledge. You could see, and you could see at times he was frustrated. Um, and you can see exactly why Daniel appointed him because of his, his track record, his history. Mm. Um, he, he, he seemed to be the perfect fit at the time. But as I say, because of the language barrier and the difficulty of getting across what he wanted to get across, I think that probably let him down. Um, but in hindsight, it was a good thing because then Martin was shoehorned straight into the job. So in terms of getting his point across, was it a case of having a translator next to him? Yeah, he had a translator with him, yeah. Well, so he would sit down and, yeah, and give and, his... And it's, and it's always difficult when there's yeah. a manager giving you a team talk and it's hard to get the passion and emotion across across sorry, through somebody else. Yeah, and that's important, isn't it, to feel what of the... Of course it is, yeah. yeah. It was for me as a player anyway. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of talk at half-time at the Ajax game uh, about Harry Kane uh, getting involved in the team speech. Um Pochettino kind of distanced himself from that discussion, apparently. But, uh, but is it normal for a player to get involved in a half-time team talk? Uh, do you know what? There's, the media make a lot out of, of such little things. Do they? As soon as a player does an interview after the game, um, somebody might say, oh, Harry Kane came in at half-time and says, come on, lad, sort yourself out. All of a sudden, Harry Kane did this great half-time team talk. It's very, very difficult unless you're there to interpret actually what went on. Mm. Um, and the media do sensationalise a lot of things. I don't doubt for one minute he was there and spoke to the players in a certain way, but I don't think he would have said anything different to what anyone else would have said. Come on, lads, this is for one, well, mm. you, this is awful. Come on, yeah. sort yourselves out. You're this, you're that, you're the other. And it's what players say to one another at, at the time in the dressing room. Um, and with him being there and as a captain and a, a figurehead, if you like, him coming in and he would have said that. A player does a post-match interview, turns around to the to the interviewer, says, oh yeah, Harry Kane came in and he had a da-da-da-da-da. All of a sudden, Harry Kane saved it. Because that's the story, I, yeah. I don't, for, I don't think for one minute he didn't say it. I don't think for one minute he wasn't there and wasn't part of it. But you can't take the credit away from a manager to in that situation. Um, just going back to Martin Yogg, I wanted to ask a question, because remember uh, when he left the club or he was fired, it was a game against Getafe, um, in the Europa League and um, so as far as we understand it he was sacked at half time do you, do you remember that okay, do you remember how it I happened? remember the game I really remember the game because oh. you can hear rumblings in the crowd so you didn't know and anything either we had no idea even at half time or at the end of the game um, I don't know how true that is even, even to this day I don't know how true that is but knowing Daniel like I knew him and know him I don't think that's how he conducts business. No. I don't think that's how Tottenham Hotspur conduct business. And I can't for one minute think that that's anything anywhere near the truth that that happened at half-time. Um, just before we finish, um, 
What I just want to ask a question about how transfers happen because it's fascinating from fans, fans' perspective. Like you're like, there must be all kinds of skullduggery and like emails being sent and bids coming back and forth from for a player. Like perhaps I'm like coming towards the transfer end of the transfer window. What 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 is it like? How, how would you just get a call from your agent and say, right, drive to this club? Do you ever say? Do you say I don't want to go and move to oh, all different times? Yeah, I was involved in a few different transfers. Um, when I signed for Spurs it was interesting Spurs tried to sign me in January of the winter the January transfer window yeah. before I actually signed in the summer I was down at White Hart Lane contract almost done medical almost through but Leeds at the time didn't want to sell me because of the predicament that they were in so the agreement was which Spurs agreed do the deal sell him loan him back to Leeds for the rest of the season so it was all going through it was all great it was all going to come to an end that's it I'd sign for Spurs but be loaned back to Leeds but then, catch twenty two. Leeds already had their allocation of loan players, so the deal oh, yeah. couldn't go through. So my transfer to Spurs, in which was going to be in the winter transfer window, it, it was it never happened. So I shook hands with Daniel, parted ways, and just said, you know, hopefully see you again. And thankfully, he came back for me in the summer. But there was there was nothing done at the time. It was it was all going to be done. I was going to be loaned back. Yeah. But Leeds wouldn't sanction the transfer because they didn't have anybody else and they needed me at the time for the rest of the season. Yeah. And they weren't allowed to loan me back. Um, season before that, I could have signed for Aston Villa. Uh, Leeds, we were we won the last couple of games of the season. We won away at Highbury, off from memory. Um, it was Viduka. Viduka and Kewell scored two, a couple yeah. of great goals. We yeah. won at Highbury, which kept us up. And I think, I think it stopped them winning the league. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, and then we won away at Charlton, which guaranteed us safety. And David O'Leary, my old manager at Leeds, he came to sign me um, for Villa. And it just wasn't right for me at the time. Um, personally and professionally, didn't really want to move to Birmingham. Didn't Villa was never on my radar. It wasn't a club that I wanted to play for. And Leeds was still in the Premier League. I'd been at Leeds since I was 13 and I was 23. Mm. So we'd stayed up at Leeds and probably through rose-tinted glasses, I look back and go... Do you know, it was probably it was it was we, we're in the Premier League again. I want to stay in the Premier League. My team are in the Premier League. I'd rather play for Leeds in the Premier League than I would Villa in the Premier League. Mm. Nothing to do with money or anything like that. It was just an opportunity to to to, to play for my team again in the Premier League, if you like. Um, hindsight, my move to Tottenham wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have stayed at Leeds and would have gone down. Yeah. So it's it's all different things. There's a, there's a lot of swings and roundabouts. Mate, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. Thank you once again. Uh, before we go so that people get it, um, uh, I don't know what the odds were would have been like on Joel being sacked at half-time, but I'm sure Fansbet would have run some markets at the time. But why, why are you um, involved in Fansbet? And, and obviously, we're, we're massive fans of Fansbet because they support what we do as well. That's the biggest thing for me. It's the giving back to the supporters. Um, when the, the people initially came to me with the idea and to be heavily involved with the company, Betting's not something that I'd ever been involved with. Obviously, because as a football, you're not allowed to bet on football. Mm. So because of that ban, I'd never bet on anything else, really. Um, but then you, you come out of it and you realise the amount of people that do bet with their accumulators and horses and different things. Yeah, but the company doesn't condone gambling. It just creates a different environment for people to gamble in. But at the same time, it gives 50% back to football supporters, which is the entire reason why I became involved. The clubs that I've played for, I've had a great relationship with the supporters, uh, no matter where I've been. And to actually give something back to them and let them decide what they want to do with, with their own money, if you like. Mm. So you don't have to bet on football, you bet on golf, cricket, rugby, tennis, whatever you want to bet on. But you sign up and you register as a Tottenham Hotspur supporter 
put your supporters club in, you get the drip down, you get the money into your supporters club, have a meeting, decide what you want to do with the money, whether you pay for tickets for underprivileged kids, whether you buy a new minibus for the Woking branch, for example, whatever you want to do. But it's it's money that people would normally be spending that be disappearing into multi-billion pound gambling industries. We You, you kind of filter down through losing bets. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and just finally, we, we're going to win the Champions League, right? Without a shadow of a doubt, yes. Beautiful. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.